Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I'm the founder of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-Step Recovery Fellowship, and I don't claim to speak for any of them either. My hope is that you will find my words helpful in some way, whether you're in recovery or not. This is episode 102, Why Keeping the Focus on Yourself is the Antidote to Codependence. When I found out that I was codependent, I was completely blown away. I couldn't get over the fact that I'd never heard this term before. This is despite being an incredibly introspective person, reading a gajillion self-help books, being in therapy for almost 40 years and doing all kinds of other self-help things. And it really took me a while to wrap my mind around what exactly codependence was because it's kind of an amorphous concept and I've heard it defined in a variety of ways. But at its core, codependence is a focus outside of ourselves. So the antidote to codependence is to keep the focus on ourselves. One of the best ways we can do that is by creating healthy boundaries. Now, I didn't understand any of this when I was going through the process of recovering from codependence. I don't think I understood that I was creating boundaries when I was healing from my codependence. I got that being codependent meant that I cared more what other people thought about me than what I thought about me, that it meant that I bent over backwards for other people, that I felt like it was my job to fix and rescue people. In other words, I didn't have a choice about it. And I felt like it was perfectly reasonable for me to stick my nose in other people's business. But when I heard a psychotherapist talk about the source of codependence, it was extremely helpful for me in understanding myself and my actions. And I think the reason it was so helpful for me is because I'm the kind of person who really likes to understand things. When I understand how something works, I am much more likely to buy into it, to believe in it. So what the psychotherapist said was this. The theory and research on trauma has advanced beyond that of codependence. And before I go on, I do want to say something that I learned about trauma because in the beginning, I didn't believe I'd been traumatized. And that once I learned that the absence of good things happening to you can be traumatizing, I believed it because my main trauma was continual emotional invalidation in my family. This is what uh, one psychotherapist, Annie Wright, calls relational trauma. It's kind of the drip, drip, drip effect of things like emotional neglect and other kinds of abuse. It's not just like you get into a car accident or you're in a war zone. So anyway, the theory and research on trauma has advanced beyond that of codependence. And researchers now know that codependence is the result of trauma. And here's why. When we're traumatized, we're stuck in what I call the lizard brain rather than the frontal lobe. The frontal lobe of the brain is where our higher order thinking happens. It's what is often called the human part of the brain. 
And when we're in fight or flight mode, that thinking part of the brain gets shut down. And that's because we need to either fight or flee. That is take action rather than thinking. The reason that happens is that there's a lot of energy required for thinking and we need that energy to be redirected into taking action. So that's why the frontal lobe becomes inaccessible when we're in fight or flight mode, which happens when we're traumatized and when we've often been traumatized over and over again, we might stay in that mode for long periods of time. So as a reminder, when we get traumatized, we go into fight or flight mode. And you might recognize that as what some people call being reactive. This is a time when we're unable to go into our thinking mode. So you might remember times when you're really angry and you can't think, for example, this is why. The reason this creates codependence is that the self is an abstract, ever-changing concept, and it's formed in the frontal lobe where the abstract thinking takes place. And when we cannot access that part of the brain, we cannot access self. I'm going to pause for a moment to let that sink in. When we cannot access the frontal lobe, the abstract thinking portion of the brain, we can't access self. And when we can't access that, that frontal lobe where the concept of self resides, we go outside of ourselves. In some cases, that might mean we go to what do other people think? The reason learning how to form healthy boundaries helps us is that when we start thinking about where we want the boundary to be, we usually do it when we're calm. That is when we purposely work on creating healthy boundaries anyway. If we do it while we're in fight or flight mode, excuse me, if we do it while we're not in fight or flight mode, we're using the frontal lobe of our brain. We're thinking about how we want to live our lives rather than just reacting to situations as they arise. We think about what kind of life we want, what kind of behavior we want to engage in, what kind of behavior we're willing to put up with, and what kinds of behaviors we seek from other people. Those who don't have healthy boundaries usually think that when they get healthy boundaries, it means they're going to be able to control other people. That's actually the most common myth that I hear from people that I work with in helping them to form healthy boundaries. Here's how it works, people. Boundaries are for you and they're about you and what you want and what you like and what you will tolerate. When you set a boundary with someone, it's your job to enforce that boundary. It's not their job to respect that boundary. Of course, we would like it if people would respect our boundaries, which is why we set them. But when people don't, it's up to you to do something about it. I urge you to remember that there's a whole host of reasons why people don't respect boundaries you set. And this is especially so when you first start setting them with people that you've never set them with before. So some people don't respect our boundaries because they forget because we've never been that way before. 
Some people don't respect our boundaries because they don't really believe us because we've never been like that before. Some people don't respect our boundaries because they themselves don't have healthy boundaries and they don't recognize other people's boundaries. And some people don't respect us, so they don't respect our boundaries. When you start setting boundaries and people don't honor them, I encourage you to assume the best of intentions on that person's part. You've been teaching people how to treat you your entire life, and now you're teaching them a new way. So it's going to take some time both for them and you. Now, I will make a caveat here, though. If you're dealing with a very toxic person, like someone who is very sick, like a narcissist or someone who's terribly mentally ill, they're not capable of respecting your boundaries. So when dealing with somebody like that, you need to be very forceful and sometimes even rude and maybe act like a dick when you are setting a boundary. However, that is rare. Most humans are not like that. If you've taught people how to treat you by allowing them to walk all over you or depend on you or expect you to rescue them, you can unteach them that. We can train people how to treat us differently. And that's what having boundaries is all about. Deciding how we want to live our lives as actors, not reactors, as creators, not victims. When people have asked me, how did you learn how to set boundaries and enforce them? I I had to think about it. And what I realized was this. I decided how I wanted to live my life. And then I set boundaries accordingly. For example, I decide how I want to spend my time. I don't give away my time willy nilly to people anymore, though I used to all the time. I decide what kind of people I want to be around and I make an effort to spend time with those kinds of people and to not spend time with toxic or unhealthy people who are takers. I decide when I'm going to help someone. And that reminds me of another myth about boundaries I hear a lot from clients. People without boundaries often believe that once they have healthy boundaries, it means you're all about yourself and you don't help other people. And that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, I actually give more service to the community that now that I have healthy boundaries than I ever did before. But I do it on my time and I do it out of choice, not because I feel like I have to or I'm supposed to or I feel compelled to do it. And I do it on my terms. I make decisions with my frontal lobe about when where, why, how, and who I'm going to help. In the past, when I helped and rescued and tried to fix people, I felt like it was my job, my duty, and that I was being a horrible person if I wasn't helpful to someone in need. And this is especially true if it was somewhere where I knew that I could help. Now I understand it is not my job. I can choose to help people, and I often do. And that's really what boundaries are about. They're about keeping the focus on yourself inside your boundary, deciding how you want to live your life by your own standards. Boundaries are about being able to make choices about our lives. 
When we don't have healthy boundaries, we're unable to make choices because we feel compelled. Choice is the opposite of compulsion. I'd like to end here with my top five rules for setting boundaries. And you may think this is a joke, but it's not. Here they are. Number one, keep the focus on yourself. Number two, keep the focus on yourself. Number three, keep the focus on yourself. Number four, keep the focus on yourself. And number five, keep the focus on yourself. You won't go wrong when you keep the focus on yourself. If you need help with figuring out how to do that or precisely what it means to keep the focus on yourself, which is not the same as being selfish, check out episode 10 of this podcast, which is about, guess what? Keeping the focus on yourself, which happens to be my number three most important tool of recovery. Before I go, I just want to say that if you want help with setting boundaries, I would love to help you. I'm about to start a 12-week group coaching program called Better Boundaries with Barb. It's 12 weekly 90-minute group coaching calls on Zoom. It includes a private Facebook group, a multimedia curriculum, 14 different worksheets and exercises, as well as a community of boundary builders. There's a bonus Trello board with lots of amazing resources on things like self-care, forgiveness, changing dysfunctional patterns. And another huge bonus is that while you're a group coaching client, you get free access to my private membership community, Secure, Loved, and Brave, which has even more resources and two additional group coaching calls per month. I hope you'll join me. I do have a boundary around who's allowed to join, which means I speak with every person before they join. I'll leave a link to my calendar in the show notes so you can sign up for a 30-minute Better Boundaries call so we can talk about your goals around your boundaries and see if it feels like a good fit. Until next week, remember, it's never too late to recover. Healing is always possible and no one is beyond hope. That's it for today. Please share this episode with anyone who might find it helpful. If you like what you've heard here, you might be interested in private coaching with me. If that sounds like you, then head on over to barbchat.net or you can get on my calendar for a free 20-minute consultation to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep, lasting changes in my life. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change, but I'll coach anyone who wants to be happy, joyous, and free. So if that's you, then go to barbchat.net and get on my calendar. I'd love to chat with you. Please like and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. This helps other people find me. Thanks for listening.